Some activities coming around. Diminishing, though, by tonight to widely scattered overnight. Tonight to lows of 70s to near 80. 80s tomorrow again to near 90 with rounds of storms and showers. Pretty solid chance repeated Sunday, then diminishing. Then we'll be looking at the Caribbean where an area of disturbed weather is going to be headed to the Gulf of Mexico. Potential development there next week. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-twenties. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. It's simple as this. It's not very good, but it's simple. It's the gaming of the food show. Here in the sunshine, and a lot of it, and we have come through a weekend uh, with some really interesting things happening over here on the food show, and with lots more coming on. Interesting uh, folks of us, and our ourselves keep turning things on one another. Uh, I'm Tom Fitzmorris, and we have... Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen uh, Marianne yet. Hi. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, well they're here uh, the whole time, and now that we've got that figured out and my skull put back on, we can uh, get into things and find out what's going on with the food scene. I think I have uh, a line or something to to read to let people have. I have a little Dakota or a little something or another. Hi, folks. Decoding of, of some kind. Middle of September, hard to believe. This is the week that we were supposed to do our Sicilian-Italian, what the Sicilian migration brought to the New Orleans culinary scene, but we have moved it to next week for the obvious reason. So um, it's just us today, and we'd love to chat with you if you would like to talk to us. We're here to do that. Just about food, that's what we do. That's what Tom's been doing for 32 years now, and I've been doing it for about 15 mm. months. 32, exactly. But. Anyway, uh, we had a big eating weekend, as always, but a big sort of adventuresome, uh, really put ourselves out to eat kind of thing this weekend. And uh, it was great. It was really, really good. We had, um, we took a trip. I like to do that on the weekends sometimes. And um, we had uh, Saturday, was Saturday? It was Saturday, yeah. Saturday, we decided to take a trip to, um, okay, well, let's see. Let's start with Friday because Friday we have our Instagrammer who tells us all the cool stuff we need to go and do because she's on Instagram and, you know, that's how we find out a lot of what's going on around town. And so it gets translated to us. So we were told on Friday that we should go to date night at Acorn, which is, as it turns out, exactly what I pictured it to be. It is a Dickie Brennan restaurant at the Louisiana Children's Museum. And I've always thought that this was a cafeteria-style 
children's museum or a cafeteria style museum restaurant, which is exactly what it is. It is a beautiful museum though. I mean, it's brand new. The part where it's overhanging it's, the, the, yeah. the, the uh, I guess that's a man-made thing. Do they dig that out, I guess, for the they, museum? I don't know. They must have. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, that's it's a beautiful area. Pads and, anyway, it's, uh, if you have not seen it and you have kids or grandkids, get over there ASAP because it is beautiful. Um, and the museum restaurant is a museum cafeteria-style restaurant, and I'm sure that the food is good if uh, Dickie Brennan is doing it, but... The idea of going to, quote, a date night on Friday night and having pizza or a hot dog was not all that appealing. Now, there was some ahi tuna thing, which is not my thing, and that was followed by some sliders. But it just seemed like if you're going to make the effort to go across the lake on a Friday night, do it right. So we did, we did get a chance to see what acorn is about. We didn't eat the food, but get a feeling for what it's like. And it would be great to go there for like a, you know, afternoon snack or something because I'm sure the food is really good. But um, it was Friday evening, so we moved on. And we wound up going to a culinary at the Rib Room. That was a surprise. Yeah. But it was very good. Uh, it was though. good. It was really good. But more important than that is I felt better about everything because... In the last six months, going into the French Quarter has been a depressing enterprise. And Friday night looked better. There was a lot more foot traffic out there on Friday night. And it looks like people are there, which was really a nice thing to see. There was actually a fairly substantial line outside the Royal House. And I couldn't tell if it was a line to get into the Royal House, which I could believe, or if it was one of those tours, which would be even better because it would mean that people were in town and wanting to do the same old stuff that they had been coming for for years. So either one of those was a win-win. And it was nice to see a crowd of people outside of Royal House for whatever the reason. And you know what I got out of that was that all around the city, from the densest part of Metairie uh, to it's even some children and all of those folks, were putting this together, uh, this nice little program, and you get really impressed by the Royals of Orleans uh, yeah. and what they do. And it looked great, and I think you can safely say that if that's one of your favorite restaurants, it is now in your clock of uh, ones of yeah. terrific. Well, it was the last night of culinary, so it worked that we went and had another culinary because we've only had two or three of them. Um, it was, I don't necessarily agree that the interior of the Royal Orleans was all that exciting. It was kind of dead, but it's a hotel and that's what it was. But there were enough people in there to make you feel like it's moving in the right direction. So that was good. Yeah, beautiful restaurant, always has always, been. Yeah. But even so, this time around, I don't know yeah. why, but it sure looked great. Always Great good. service. Yeah. So we, usually when we attempt to have a culinary, I do the culinary and Tom does not do the culinary. 
but in this case, Tom actually did do the culinary with one extra course in there. So we had a window table. They've removed the booths, which is too bad because I loved the booths along the window on Royal Street. But we had a table still looking out on Royal Street. Worked well for me. Yeah. And then uh, there were people that we knew that were serving and people that looked familiar that were locals at other tables. So it was, it was a nice scene. It was a nice scene. Um, and then we ordered, let's see, their culinary was, was it good? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It had three choices. And uh, <laughs> I was surprised at your choice, Tom. I was definitely surprised at your choice. So essentially we had kind of fried everything. So we started off with um, fried oysters. Again, a you, lot of people might you say. Had, you had a very unusual fried oyster dish though. I don't know what they call it, but it was fried oysters in a ramekin on top of creamed spinach with feta cheese and pimentos. It had like a little pile of pimentos, which instead of being inside of green olives, were on top of these oysters. It worked, though. I wouldn't call it the most brilliant rendition of oysters, but it was fine. Did you like it? I did. It, it was a unique uh, yeah, it presentation. Was. It was definitely a unique interpretation of the fried oyster appetizer. And then uh, I got the straight culinary. So I had the ribroom salad, and I had, I was really, you know, it's like you go to a place like that, and you feel like you should get beef. But nobody got beef. Well, it's funny, isn't the Royal Orleans, which <laughs> is famous for its, uh, its beef. Yeah. And, uh, but I've been saying, that it's really not all that great an idea. You're going to find that on the straight menu, you probably will like that better that, than you would with the uh, roasting menu. So uh, it could be that you, uh, it, maybe everybody's had it now. It's certainly true of everybody I know. I don't know if that's true since Tom Wolfe has been there. When Tom Wolfe arrived, I thought that he put um, really different kinds of beef dishes on that menu. And I've had some cuts of prime rib that were really interesting and really good. But I didn't I, I, I specifically went for culinary and none of and in what I was drawn to was not the beef item. So we'll talk some more when we come back. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to us about food, give us a call. Mimi's is the best restaurant that has ever been in St. Bernard Parish. A magic combination of terrific owner, hospitality, and talented chef combined with a charming atmosphere to offer you a great dining experience. Don't miss oysters here. They have two or three different kinds, all wonderful. A terrific burger, if you must. Great steaks, too. Thursday is steak night. Mimi's 712 Judge Perez in Chalmette, 644-4992. Mimi'sBarAndGrill.com. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine in a casual setting serving only Louisiana oysters 
and always wild-caught Desalman's catfish. And the seafood boat, Carnival Time Lounge, has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch at 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday. Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie, 304-1469. I get misty just holding your hand. Yes, misty, Mm -hmm. misty. Uh, I have um, just a few of those rosy on the roof gift certificates for $25.00 left you have two weeks to use them um don't call with anything fascinating because mike has claimed the fascinating gourmet moniker so i guess he's the only one who can be fascinating so you would like to say something scintillating scintillating is a good thing to be yes what uh, which restaurant are you talking about uh, at this moment Ribroom. the river still, still. About Ribroom. Yes. Okay, there's a lot to be said. Yeah, no, that's what we're, that's what we're saying. Okay, so then it was time for the, uh, the first course after the oysters, which were sort of stuck in there as a headliner. Um, I got the rib room salad, but you got a uh, crawfish, a fried crawfish with sort of almost an Asian slaw. I think that was it. Um, it was an interesting space uh, anyway after. Yeah, it was a nice little plate of food. It was different. It was, um, you know, I don't usually see fried crawfish, or I should say I don't usually get fried crawfish, but there was a remoulade aspect to it, and there was an Asian kind of slaw at the base of it. It was good. It worked. It was definitely um, different. And then when it came time for entrees, there was a choice of three entrees, and those were burnt prime rib tips, which normally I would be all over, but I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it that night. So I got rotisserie chicken, I guess because I have rotisserie chicken on the brain now, but it was rotisserie chicken with collards, which tended to be kind of sweet, which was really not my thing, but it worked. It was fine and uh, fingerling roasted potatoes. And then, Tom, you got something super weird for you. <laughs> Which one? I was absolutely shocked that Tom got what amounted to a fried shrimp poor boy. I did do that. It was you a, did? A, a, a regular straight ahead. Uh, oh, no, it's definitely not straight ahead. It was, well, a, it had, it was a shrimp manure. Shrimp in it. Yeah, that was boat is what yeah. they called it. It was like a it was a, a half of a big of a baguette with a lot of butter toasted and on top of that was a pile of beautifully fried shrimp and then on top of all of that was a tremendous amount of clarified butter and almonds. Which yeah. you seem to really like, although that's I, not your thing. I was uh, not only enjoying the food but also the people who were there, uh, a lot of them. Uh, that's a, a very uppy restaurant uh, and has always been since it opened back in the 60s. And I ran into a, a few people there that I was happy to see, especially when I found out that they were alive. Uh, but uh, once that was put together, 
and the gladness and the, and the it was camaraderie all around the camaraderie yes. and all of those things anyway so yes. that's what i uh, had you saw old friends there which always exactly. pleases you although tom wolf was not there uh which was a little disappointing i think his sous chef was in the kitchen so uh those were the two things that we got for entrees and then the desserts were uh okay so i confess i did actually get dessert it was a chocolate mousse cake with macerated berries and uh you got bread pudding even though it was only a choice of key lime pie i asked if you could swap out bread pudding very basic for that very you basic liked it, though, didn't you? Uh, you liked the bread pudding didn't you bread pudding was good oh, I, wait a minute they did have bread pudding yeah, yeah it was but bread the, pudding. that's what you had yeah the the chiclet the, the thin thinly focused i've uh, not heard that word in forever Ocalux? no chiclet chiclets <laughs> i haven't that's, heard that word in forever it's in one of those little yeah it's those cute little it's those cute little enameled gums you know, it's like uh -huh. little squares of gum with a little enamel coating on it. Yes, I do. And they came in a small box, and people who ate gum ate it. I'm not one of those people, but uh, they were sure cute. Chicklets. Are chicklets still around? Does anybody remember chicklets? Chicklets are those little blocks. Yeah, they're uh, little squares they're of still gum. Open and if you have like them a lot at uh, Halloween, <laughs> is a place where you see a lot of that. Speaking of which, Halloween's coming up. Henry, did you say we have a call? No, I just wanted to say chiclets are definitely still around. They uh, are? Yeah, they when are. I was younger, I used to see them in Mexico a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, very <laughs> well, popular. Are they in the States? Have you seen them in the States ever? Uh, yeah, grow make a, I, again, I think it's it's, it, it's more popular down there, but I definitely, I've seen it in Southern California, for sure. Yeah, because, it, but you're like in your 20s, so if you were growing up, and that would make you, like, this would be like 20 years ago, so has anybody seen them in 20 years? Because I haven't seen them. Of course, I haven't looked for them either. Anybody would be looking for chiclets in the States? Tell us if you have seen them. Uh, Henry, why do you spend a lot of time in Mexico? Where were you down there? Well, uh, when, you, when you're 18 and you're in Southern California, uh, you're allowed, or you're not allowed to, but uh, you can drink in Mexico. So I, I took a couple trips down there when I was 18 to okay. 20 and stuff so right like that. right across the border. Right okay. across the border, yeah. Doing that kid thing when you're out and exploring the world. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you were, you know, like a regular at a resort in Ensenada, which I would, of course, want to hear about. Oh. All right, five five six nine six nine six is the number. Chicklets in Mexico. How was that down there, Henry? Was, was beautiful. It, I I love I, I love Mexico. I I mean, it, there's so many beautiful parts of it. You have to be careful, obviously. But if yeah. you're just going over the uh, border from San Diego, you can just take a trolley right to the border, walk over. Uh -huh. and, very beautiful area. Uh, obviously, you go a couple miles deeper, and it uh, becomes Tijuana. And uh, uh -huh. But the coastline is absolutely beautiful. And then once you yeah. get down into the actual jungled area of the country, it's like a totally different world. Did you ever go far down to the Baja? I did, yeah. Um, on a cruise once with my family, but I was fairly young. But I have very distinct memories. I mean, the water down there is just, it's like yeah. the Gulf water. It's so crystal clear. Yeah. There's a woman that I knew who... Um, when I was in my 20s, I spent a year and a half working at the Grand Canyon. And um, I was working for the company that staffed the park 
the concession areas. And um, there were a lot of unusual people that were also doing that. <laughs> they had lots of interesting stories. And one of them um, married someone else that worked there. And she moved down to La Paz. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I didn't go visit her, but I probably should have. But uh, I've seen pictures of it, and it's really beautiful down, you know, down way down in the Baja. Oh yeah, I have a friend in Nicaragua right now, and that is just such an interesting place. It's the one English-speaking part of Central America. Very interesting cuisine down there too. A real mix. Yeah, I'm sure an interesting thing. But you know, when I was younger, Nicaragua was not some place you would want to go. But anyway. That is That's for another sure. old story. I, when I was your age, when I was your age, five five six nine six nine six is the number. Anyway, we had a great meal at um, at the Rib Room on Friday night, and we have a meal to be determined and had at Acorn at some point in a much more casual uh, way. If we want a more casual meal, we'll go to Acorn and, of course, report back. And you can do the same if you have been to Acorn and loved it. We would love to hear about that. Uh, let's see. Then we had uh, the next day we did a really adventuresome for us. Not as exciting as going down to Mexico, but um, for us, you know, we went to the homeless house. And we took a drive and... I let the GPS tell me how to get there, which was a really fun thing to do because it was a million back roads taking us through French settlement, which is an interesting place to be if you've never done that, going to Baton Rouge or Baton Rouge environs through French settlement is definitely interesting. And then, um, we almost stopped at Porky's off the interstate 12 to get some boudin and to get Tom a Dr. Pepper, but yeah. I didn't feel like stopping. So I never we, did get it, by the way. <laughs> no, Tom, you didn't. I'm sorry. Anyway. This was we, somewhere between Baton Rouge and Yeah, and it was the turnoff. It was the turnoff from I-12 toward uh, Sorrento is where we wound up. But anyway... Um, it was an interesting drive. It was kind of a it was kind of a um, a bittersweet sort of memory because what's that? Oh, I was going to ask you. You mentioned one of these. Uh, it came out in the. No, I, I've lost my contention for uh, okay. what I was going to tell you. But the uh, well, I'm kind of hoping that something that gets spit out would be something like chiclets, which now I'm going to be obsessed with and want to find out if chiclets are around in the States anywhere because I have not looked mm -hmm. for them in many, many years, but then actually never did look for them. But you just would sort of stumble on them. So uh, it's sort of a bittersweet memory because the summer of 2005, which was Katrina year and the year that my family changed forever, we had embarked upon a summer of road trips and the four of us would get into the car and just travel somewhere like Vicksburg or just, you know, within a day's drive and just explore. And one of the trips that we took was um, along that road on the river road 
and I remember, um, I don't know if you've been on the river road lately, but I'm sure you're familiar with that giant gypsum mountain, which is kind of bizarre, but anyway. Um, and then there is a church there, St. Michael's, I believe, which is right nearby there. And it is, there's a little church, it's a grotto with bagasse. Bagasse, that's with... Uh, it's a byproduct uh, of it's gypsum. It's uh, basically dead, uh, well, all of them are dead, in a Catholic church. And it comes down into really enough to pick a big pile of it uh, but the, that's it, that one uh, it's a very peculiar church it's, uh, <laughs> really cute though it's very cute but there's a wall of bagasse and that like forms this grotto and I remember stopping there and uh, that was the only time I've ever been in that church probably the only time I'll ever be in that church it was closed when we went to go it was see again there 15 years later um, and then we had lunch at a place called emails which is the no origin of ping pong which is in Tom's cookbook it's that dessert made with what is it nectar what is what is it made with red Mark's red cream soda and ice cream Right? Yeah, that's uh, got a shop little uh, yeah. name, and it is ping pong. Yeah, ping. Yeah, and it was some had something to do with bat, patting back and well, forth. Ping pong. Yeah, ping pong. But um, that was the name, but it didn't really have anything to do with ping pong. But a friend of our son's in school had uh, it's his family. They did sugarcane, and they had a gas station and a little restaurant along the way there called Emails, H-Y-M-E-L-S. H-I-M-E-L-S. And it's sadly gone now. I knew they had sold it, but it's just gone now. Anyway, we'll be back to talk more about the weekend right after the bottom of the hour news from the Louisiana Radio Network, which is right now. Wow. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. Hurricane Sally is meandering over the north-central Gulf of Mexico as the center of the storm is 120 miles east-southeast of the mouth of the Mississippi River. It's expected to resume a slow west-northwest motion towards New Orleans and tomorrow make a right-hand turn towards the Mississippi coast. Much of southeast Louisiana is under a flash flood watch. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell says all 99 of their drainage pumps are working and can handle up to one inch of rain per hour. Anything above that, we're in uh, kind of out of our ability to, to kind of handle it in, at the 100% magnitude that we would like. John Ram, director of the Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness for St. Bernard Parish, says they are not anticipating any flooding inside their levee system unless they get two to three inches of rain in an hour. That will definitely cause some uh, street flooding in the normal places that we always get street flooding until the pumps can catch up. Louisiana Radio Network. In case you didn't know, September is National Rice Month. And since we grow so much rice right here in Louisiana, we should celebrate. Let's all make a delicious dish that starts with rice. You don't need a recipe. Just top a bed of tender rice with your favorite meat, fish, veggies, just about anything. Rice is nutritious with a taste and texture the whole world loves. Let's get this party going. Start with rice. The proud farmers of certified Louisiana rice invite you to celebrate National Rice Month. Have you responded to the 2020 census? Getting counted is more important than ever. The census funds roads. The census funds schools. The census supports your community. 
It's not too late to get counted. Respond to the census today at my2020census.gov. You can also respond by calling 844-330-2020. Make sure Louisiana counts. Get counted today at 2020census.gov. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Hurricane Tracker. Did you ever do that, Ron? Did I ever do what? Is he there? Uh, track hurricanes. I, I just gave you the moniker, the gourmet hurricane tracker. Uh, I track everyone uh, pretty substantially, actually, on a very large computer, and I'm not joking. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's a couple up today? of things. Um, the, the Highway 61 area, I believe, is what you were talking about when you were referencing River Road. Is that right? You know, 61 going yes, from, like, correct. Natchez all the way to Vicksburg? Yes. Um, yes, it is. I was going to tell you about a famous, not famous, but, I mean, just a really good barbecue spot that I hear is still there in Vicksburg. It's called Goldie's. Goldie's. I remember a vague for that. that G-O-L-D-I-E-S, Goldie's. And when you're uh-huh. in Vicksburg, it's pretty easy to find because uh, everybody knows where it is. Anyway, it's been there for probably 25 years, and that's some of the better barbecue that I've had. Have you ever been Super to Leafa's in Hattiesburg? I'm sorry, say that again? Have you ever been to Leafa's in Hattiesburg? Uh, no, I haven't. When I sold Yellow Page advertising many moons ago, I put the Hattiesburg directory together, and I was in Hattiesburg for six weeks. So I ate at a lot of the restaurants there, but uh, I don't believe I, I remember that one. Leafa's is sort of renowned. I'm surprised that you uh, that you didn't catch that one. What else is in Hattiesburg? Because that's a short trip, too. Um, I like Hattiesburg, honestly. I like Vicksburg a lot better just due to its historical significance. It, it's yeah. not just Goldie's. I like Under the Hill, uh, that little area right there uh, by the water. I think there's some neat restaurants on that side. I like uh, even going over to Faraday and Vidalia on the other side. It's kind of interesting. I, I like really small towns like that. One I really like on 61 further south is I like Woodville. And I love Natchez. Poor Natchez. Um, Natchez makes me sad, like Meridian. Yeah, Meridian was funny. I put the Yellow Page directory together for Meridian, and what really was going on in Meridian at that time is all of the businesses were leaving the downtown area. It just seemed like half of downtown was either for lease or for rent, and everything was just kind of moving right out of the center core. It's kind of like when you look at uh, Highway 60, Highway 50, 51 and Highway 55, if you're heading north, like you're heading up towards Jackson, Mississippi, it just seemed like a lot of the 51, uh, Highway 51 just got ignored because instead of having to go through these small towns, now you're on I-10 just blaring right. down the highway. A common tale of woe for all the small towns in America. Yeah, when I'm... Uh, Meridian, it's it's interesting because you know Covington, where we live, is an old town also, but it's a thriving, great town with world class restaurants. That's not my words. That actually was an article 
with I think travel and leisure, but um, but it's uh, it's never happened for Meridian or for Natchez or Vicksburg, and it's kind of sad because they're all cute little towns. Yeah, can yeah, I give you a some? lot of very dark, uh, very beautiful uh, architecture all up and down, especially around. Yeah, it's I'm going to give you some uh, trivia about Abita Springs. I'm sorry, what? I was going to give you some trivia, some food trivia about Abita Springs. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, you all have a bicycle festival there once a year. Mm -hmm. And about 12 years ago, I brought a whole bunch of hot dogs and a 12 by 12 foot tent and the tiniest little barbecue pit you've ever seen. And I made $458 selling hot dogs at that barbecue, I mean, at that bicycle festival. <laughs> Only the one year? I never went back. Uh, there was no way I was going to match the money. Uh, I know they were hot dogs, but they were really good. <laughs> so Real hot dogs. I sold them for three, three or four dollars a piece, depending on whether I liked you. That's why I didn't have a sign. If, if you look cool, they were three dollars. If I didn't like you, they were four dollars. Okay. <laughs> I've got one little restaurant I want to hand me to go to uh, if he has the, the desire. Uh, it's Manolito. It's a Cuban restaurant in the French Quarter. M-A-N-O-L-I-T-O. And Henry, right. if you drink, I would absolutely get that strawberry daiquiri. It's made from nothing but fresh fruit. Sounds fantastic. I'm going to do Manolito. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a Cuban sandwich and a daiquiri from Manolito. Take Henry with you. It'd be a field trip. They'll have to <laughs> hold me to it. I know. Henry's hey, great show. You'll have a great afternoon and be safe. Henry's that he's doing, too. Henry, you got to you. You keep your list. See you, Ron. Have a good one. What? Just saying bye to Ron. Yeah, I've got a big list from you. Well, it's not big yet, but it'll get there. Anyway, is he gone? Ron's gone already? He didn't even say goodbye. Uh, I didn't think you he heard him, but he did say goodbye. Okay. All right, 556-9696 five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number if you would like to chat with us. We did a big, uh, we did a moving project with our equipment. It moved from one place to another. And then I was setting up, and I haven't got the levels set yet on the um, on the headsets. It's what happens when you live literally minute to minute. I was over on the South Shore this morning helping my daughter with the money pit and came back with minutes to spare. I actually came back with food from Porter and Luke. Did you like your uh, red beans and rice and your hot sausage, Tom? I did indeed. It's really good. What a nice thing to welcome New Orleans with. Yeah. It sounds like a corny thing, but that's the kind of corny guy I am. Well, Tom, red beans and rice kind of has to be accompanied by hot sausage for you, correct? Absolutely. Well, no, so, you have to. You so fried catfish is not close to the top of the list. A pork chop is not close to the top of the list. It's not top? They have a ham shank at Porter and Luke, but the top of the list for you as an accompaniment for red beans is hot sausage. Am I right? Pretty much. Yeah. Because whenever we go someplace and Tom gets red beans and rice and there is not hot sausage to accompany it, there's hell to pay. And by that I mean for me to pay because I have to listen to a line about it. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six. Anyway, I brought Tom some red beans and rice on a Monday and hot sausage, your favorite 
two things together. I got from Porter and Luke my favorite thing from Porter and Luke and my favorite version of the club sandwich. And uh, it, it just never, it never fails to thrill me. And then um, Mary Lee got a wedge. And then I jumped in the car, I sped home and arrived in time to quickly take a shower and set things up. So the levels have to be adjusted at the break, I think. I keep trying to adjust them, but they're not, they're, they're not adjusting as well as they should. 556-9696 is the number. So back to the story. We were traveling along uh, the river road. And that was on the way back from Huma's house. We took the we took the really, really roundabout way to Huma's house, the one that takes you by the cabin, which is a peculiar little place in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that we've I've never eaten there, but um you have, right, Tom? You've eaten at the cabin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, something really to be eaten. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. You just like, well, what is this doing here? It's at the crossroads of two highways, and it's just sitting there, and it's strange. Anyway, if you head south from the cabin, you get to the river road, and right after that, within minutes, you're at the Hummus house. But the reason we went to the Hummus house was that um, they had a fried chicken and jambalaya special for lunch. And we didn't have anything else to do, so we went. Because I always love going to the Hummus house. That place is so interesting. The person who owns it is the scion of someone who had a warehouse business before his death. And the family still owns bunches of warehouses in New Orleans. But what he does is he travels the world and accumulates things of interest and then puts them in a warehouse. This is like my daughter's fantasy. She has a tiny little storage unit, but she would love to have the facilities and the money to collect things like this. So, for example, at his townhouse in New Orleans, there is a very elaborate, extremely large staircase that was purchased somewhere in France, disassembled, put in a warehouse, and then when the renovation happened, it went into the townhouse. So at the Huma's house, everything in there has been accumulated other than in the home itself, but all the surrounding grounds, there are buildings all over the place. Unlike most plantations, this is a living, working one. So it's not so much a relic of the past, it just started with a house and then it's, it's evolved into this tremendous, vibrant thing. So there's this garçonniere, which is, it's part of history. A garçonniere is where the guys were put when they had to move out of the main house when they got to puberty. And they have two of those. And um, one of them has become something called the turtle bar. And it's a really cool, tiny little bar which sort of meanders into something called the carriage house, which is full of 
exquisite furnishings from all over the world. Anyway, um, Jeremy Langlois is the chef, and we remember him when he was a snot-nosed kid 30, 25, 30 years ago. He's now evolved into quite a chef, and the food was fantastic, would you say, Tom? Tom's busy freaking about the rain. Tom, you, Tom, you. Was the food at, at Carriage House good? At where? Carriage House. At uh, Hummus House. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, everything about that place is like luxurious, it's beautiful. It's just stunning. Uh, it's, uh, you, you cannot want to leave. It's yeah. The gardens are spectacular. It's, it's really something else. And then Kevin, the owner, decided that he was going to do a museum on the river. So you can actually go through a walkway to the river. There's a museum there now. It's just every time we go, there's something new there. But uh, the food was just really great. I mean, I got the chicken and the jambalaya, but honestly, that was the least interesting thing on the menu. I went, I got it because that's what I went for, but there was a lot of good stuff on that menu, all of which we will talk about when we come back after this. these messages, 556-9696. Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. I remember the day when someone at the radio station brought me a bottle of Cousin's salad dressing. It was made by a young couple in small batches, and it was delicious. I was proud to have them sponsor my show just as I am now, but the line has expanded since then to include an olive oil, an herb vinaigrette, fresh salsa, and blue cheese, as well as an original Creole tomato, a delicious dressing that also makes a great quick dip. Cousin's Salad Dressings, in the produce section at your favorite store, CousinsProducts.com. Parish Coffee is a small batch, handcrafted blend of carefully selected Central and South American beans, skillfully roasted to produce a coffee that is aromatic when you open the bag, robust when it's brewed, and very smooth and mellow when you drink it. This is a coffee that will take you through the day, a gourmet roast without the gourmet price. Pick up a bag where you shop or go to parishcoffee.com and see the full line. Parish Coffee. Hashtag wake up to parish. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. Tis true, tis true. Things are never what they seem, more often than not, in fact. So we went to 556-9696 is the number. We're just sitting around on this rainy afternoon talking about food. Like we always do here on the food show, 32 years running. Tom Fitzmorris, Marianne here. So uh, we started with there was this there was this um, crab cake with mango in the appetizer section, 
and um, I don't know. I was put off by the mango part because I'm all about crab cakes anywhere I ever see them. But I'm glad that you got that, Tom, because that was spectacularly yummy. It was a really spicy remoulade sauce, and it was uh, it was a really like big crab cake, and it just had the right amount of everything in it. It was not deep fried. It was pan sautéed, and it was really, really good, and I'm glad you got it. I was tempted by the curried bisque, curried pumpkin bisque with corn and crab, and I have to say that that was good. It was not great. I had higher expectations for it than what was delivered. It was still very good. It was a little, it was a little thick. It didn't seem like, um, it didn't seem so much like a soup, but it was definitely good, and uh, and I'm glad that I got it. And then I got the fried chicken, which was crispy. It was light. It was uh, not greasy in any way. It was sitting atop a pile of jambalaya, which is the kind of jambalaya that a Cajun would make. It is, um, it had big pieces of andouille. I think it was Jacob's andouille. It was little quarters of a very wide disc of andouille. And then um, it had uh, tasso ham in it also. So there were two flavors, there was actually one flavor that I noticed in both things, which I can't say I'm crazy about. It was not so off-putting that I didn't like the dish, but it was a distinctive flavor that is obviously a favorite of the chef to be in two things, and I have to ask what it is. But anyway, um, Tom got a, uh, you got a fried eggplant medallion stack mm. with, <clears throat> gobs of crab meat in a cream sauce. Did you like that? Oh, wasn't that good. It was every yeah, part it was of it. You had, you had the... It was really good. The uh, cream... Uh, lots and lots and lots, lots of Lots of... Right. Yeah. And uh, they're up and down and... I thought that the eggplant was a little too thick for my taste. Did you like it? If To me, if eggplant is going to be served as a medallion, it has to be thin. I could Did see you like that, that? I could you see like that somebody would go one way or another, but that was just right up my alley. Yeah? Yep. Okay. Anyway, um, I thought it was a little too thick for my taste, but I don't really eat fried eggplant anyway, so it, I'm glad it was your dish and not mine. And then um, you had coffee ice cream. You had homemade coffee ice cream with little biscuits on top, little like biscuit fingers. You like mm. that? You ate it all. <clears throat> well, I hope I'll never see that one again. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was something missing from the table, which I was a little disappointed about, and I meant to ask, and then I forgot. But Kevin, who owns the homeless house, has sort of a real fascination with dragonflies, or as we call them here, mosquito hogs. And he has um, 
scones that are made in the shape of dragonflies. And that's sort of a signature item hmm. at the restaurant. And they didn't come to the table, which was odd. So maybe they stopped making them or maybe they're not making them for, you know, COVID. I don't know. But um, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask about that the next time I talk to Kevin. We decided it would be fun to do a Saturday afternoon eat club at the Carriage House. Because it's kind of far to go for a nighttime thing. There's actually a restaurant in the carriage house, the real carriage house. Because you know, in a plantation, you have the carriage way that separates the kitchen from the main house because back in the day, they used to catch fire. So it was kind of separated. And so there'd be a way for carriages to come through between the kitchen and the main house. And that's also the origin of the word hush puppy because the cooks would come from the kitchen and walk a long way to bring the food into the house. And the dogs would follow looking for any morsels that were dropped. And so they started dropping a meal into oil and dropping it for the dogs. And so <clears throat> the carriageway separates the kitchen from the house. And in the back carriageway at the Humas house is this really beautiful, cozy, romantic restaurant called Latil's Landing. And it is, it's another one of those sexy places, I think. It's dark with little coves and, and it would be a great place to have an eat club, but it's really far out there. So the idea of doing a nighttime eat club is kind of prohibitive, especially if people are going to be drinking. So I posed the idea to Kevin that we do a Saturday afternoon eat club at the carriage house, not the real carriage house, but the place that's called the carriage house. And it's exquisitely beautiful also. And I just throwing that out there, if anybody would be interested in doing that, we are maybe going to start doing some eat clubs again. But um, I'd, be, I'd be interested in hearing from anyone who would be interested in doing something like that. It would be on a Saturday afternoon, so an easy, you know, relaxing sort of day, sort of mid-afternoon to go out to the Humas house and eat some delicious food from Jeremy Langlois. Anyway, if you are interested in that, send us an email, tom at nomenu.com, because I would like to know the level of interest before we actually pursue it. I told uh, Kevin to get us a menu in a day, and we can't really do too many people because, you know, it's the brand new COVID world, but it would be, it would be a fun thing to do for a limited number of people. I don't know, maybe 30 tops. 5569696 is the number if you want to talk to us. We are talking about food. <laughs> but we'd like not to be the only ones talking about food. So if you have a food report of your own or a question for us, we had a big, fun show full of a lot of interesting callers on Friday, which, of course, is too bad because then you have the weekend to cool off, and I would love to get people to participate at that level every day. Would be fun. Mm -hmm. Kind of remind us of the old days 
when it was all about, hey, Tom, where'd you eat? And They're out there somewhere. And people it's, would it's been tell an, you about unusual their places. Weekend. Yeah. Anyway, it was a big eating weekend for us. We have another report to do, too, but that one's kind of long as well. So uh, if you have a question or your own report on food, we'd love to hear it. Let's see, what else did we do over the weekend? Uh, it's, it's, there's too much house stuff going on here. Between the house on the South Shore. And there the is a lot of that North going Shore, on, isn't there? And all of the crises at both places. It, it, it does boggle the mind. And, um, and so we're probably going to record the show on Thursday of this week because we have, um, we have a powder post beetle treatment at exactly showtime, which will get the doggy, who is normally panting and clicking, to be in robust barking. So, um, but we have to do this immediately. So we may just do a recorded show on Thursday. That's our North Shore, our North Shore house crisis. And then of course we have a plethora of those for the South Shore house, which is just an endless amount of challenges, shall we say. Five five six nine six nine six. We got a report mm -hmm. from uh, Don, the gourmet neighbor, over the weekend, who took his mother-in-law to Anchor, which is at the old friends location, and it is the downstairs place. Uh, where Chifuncta is at upstairs. So Chifuncta is, is upstairs. We were talking about that last week. We got a report from Mike about how wonderful Chifuncta's mm. was. And what I was a new talking addition. about Anchor. Yeah, it's a great new addition. Uh, this is a whole new restaurant. Uh, although you will recognize everything, all your friends, uh, whether it's right in front of you or across the, the, the night. But uh, that's uh, a, a really nice addition to our it's a great eating. addition not only to the north shore but just to the metro area period i mean it's one of, it's one of those one-of-a-kind places but anyway i had gone to anchor the first time and absolutely loved 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 the food and then the next time i went less so and then the third time i went less so and i was wondering if maybe anchor had become sort of a casualty of chifunctas which had gotten open in the meantime and if all of the energies were going to Chifunctas. But then I got some pictures from Don, the gourmet neighbor, from Anchor over the weekend, and I would say it's all leveled off, and the food at Anchor looked every bit as fantastic as it did the first time we went. So I'm glad to see that, because that's a, it's a nice, casual place, and it's a good place to go in weather like this it would be kind of cool you sit outside but you're under roof and it's right on the chifunta and the balmy breezes blow and the fact that the food was going down was a little disappointing but it looks like it's not so it's great to have good food in an environment like that one of these days i want to have weather enough to actually go sit out close to the river because there are there are tables and chairs out there for just like a drink. And as the weather gets cooler, it's going to be nicer. 
We've been having what I call Western weather, which is something that we in New Orleans get four days in October and four days in April. We were blessed, thank God, by an extended period of Western weather when COVID started, so it made it a little bit less traumatic. It's a good thing the weather isn't, wasn't like it is right now when we started the lockdown. All right, it is the top of the hour news time for the Louisiana Radio Network. The best place for cutting-edge news and talk about southeastern Louisiana is the John Mason Show. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. on WGSO 990 AM, broadcasting live from the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. The extreme peril, really, of their lives and extreme danger. President Trump in California, the president taking a look at some of the damage caused by wildfires in the state. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves on the trajectory of Hurricane Sally. With sustained winds between 85 and 90 miles an hour hitting Biloxi, Mississippi. That is the latest projections. The Republican governor says one thing is concerning him regarding Hurricane Sally. Obviously with the slowing of the storm, that is concerning. The longer and it stays out in the Gulf of Mexico, the more and higher the likelihood is that uh, it continues to grow in size and scope and severity. The storm is expected to make landfall early Tuesday morning. This is USA Radio News. Are you ready for what's next? It's likely coming. More food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed, social unrest. Ask yourself, do you have enough food and supplies on hand to last at least 30 days? Most Americans do not. But you can. Avoid the panic of the last-minute rush. Order your four-week supply of emergency food today from MyPatriotSupply.com. Starvation or dependency on the government are your only alternatives. Avoid those and the pain of being unprepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage, shipped discreetly to your door. Folks that know what's coming are using today to prepare. There's time for you to do the same. That's MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company. MyPatriotSupply.com. A campaign advisor to President Trump believes the coronavirus pandemic will not be what drives voters in November. With more, here's USA Radio Network's Chris Barnes in Washington. A senior re-election advisor to President Trump says the coronavirus pandemic won't be the main factor which drives a voter's choice this November. The ultimate driver of the electoral decision for most Americans is going to be what it typically is. Who can create prosperity for me, for my family, and for this country going forward? President Trump signing an executive order to lower the cost of drugs in the U.S. to the level paid in other countries, tweeting the days of the rest of the world free-riding at America's expense are over. He said drug prices are already coming down quickly. And on that score, the president has a compelling story to tell. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg says he'll spend $100 million in Florida to help Democratic nominee Joe Biden. This is USA Radio News. Working from home? I'm Chad Dodd, veterinarian and consultant to Limp Bells. Here are some tips for keeping your dog fit while staying at home. Find 15 minutes twice a day and walk your pet at a decent pace around your place. Play hide-and-seek by hiding some kibble or favorite toys and letting your dog find them. If you have stairs and your dog is mobile, walk up and down twice a day for 5 to 10 minutes. 
Or better yet, try a power walk in your terrace or backyard for some fresh air. There are more helpful pet care tips at youmove.com, spelled Y-U-Move.com. Going a little bit more in depth on one of our top stories regarding the wildfires burning on the West Coast, fires are continuing to burn in Oregon and Washington State as well. Smoke from the massive fires has spread to neighboring states, making the skies hazy in places that aren't even dealing with wildfires like Phoenix, Arizona. As far as the damage caused by the fires in Oregon, Oregon Democratic Governor Kate Brown says, We've burned over a million acres of beautiful Oregon. We've got fires on the coast. Uh, we've got fires in communities right uh, up abutting our metropolitan areas. And southern Oregon has been devastated. We've had over 40,000 Oregonians who've had to evacuate. Well, it's off and on wet for the weekend, so keep that umbrella handy nearby. Mostly during the days when the most active shower and thunderstorm activity is coming around. Diminishing, though, by tonight to widely scattered overnight. Tonight to lows of 70s to near 80. 80s tomorrow again to near 90 with rounds of storms and showers. Pretty solid chance repeated Sunday, then diminishing. Then we'll be looking at the Caribbean where an area of disturbed weather is going to be headed to the Gulf of Mexico. Potential development there next week. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs and dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. My goodness, it's been a big weekend and month and everything else. And it's the food show. It's me, Tom Fitzmorris, and Mary Ann is here. Hey there. Hey there. Yeah. Hey there. Where are you at? And uh, what we do is uh, talk about food and restaurants and cooking and wine and everything. I started without uh, really knowing or paying much attention uh, uh, right there up the river with all of the famous different uh, editions of... Are you talking about the Huma's House? And the Huma's House uh, Uh and uh, all of those things uh, coming on down. And uh, in huge, huge, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. The uh, extances of sugarcane. It's uh, I've I have uh, enough friends in the business that I've seen everything. Uh, that we do can, have a lot of friends. Oh, in then that you business. probably know. I actually have a lot of friends <clears throat> in that business. Well, uh, it's typical because this is a that's what we do in this state. But anyway, that was uh, interesting to look at that, and uh, then had enough of it for today, and we put it all together after we got all of our friends who were, we were wondering about, uh, by the way, all uh, in there with us and happy to, with smiling on their faces uh, to, to see everything that's happening with them. And uh, folks, So when we were done at coming. the Humas house. You have a what? When we were done at the Humas house, we yeah. could have gone left to go back the way we came or right along the river road, which you opted for, but then regretted that later because it was an interminable drive for you. Although, like I said, it was a trip down memory lane. But took a one while. of the things that I wanted to do on the way back was to stop at Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse, which is on the River Road in Laplace. 
But somehow or another, I don't understand how this happened. I almost have to look at this on a map. I didn't I didn't do the GPS because I thought if I kept going on if I kept going on the river road that I would pass the smokehouse. But what happened was we wound up getting up to the spillway and having to cross on the spillway. And oddly enough, when we came off the spillway to get to Wayne Jacobs' smokehouse, we had to turn right and go back the way we came, which didn't make any sense. That means that I either passed it up without realizing it, or, well, I just have to look on a map because I'm curious to see how that happened. Anyway, we wound up not stopping at Wayne Jacobs' smokehouse, which I was really interested in doing because it's very famous, even though it's not a favorite undoey of mine at all. And um, I wanted to, to just like get some of it because we had just had it at the Hummus house. And also because it was just something to do on this little adventure. Because I don't know when we're going to do another one of those adventures. Tom's getting less and less adventuresome as the days go by. And he was never a big adventurer to begin with. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to us, we are here to do that with you. We would love to do that with you, in fact. So another thing that we were told by our Instagram uh, monitor was that we should go to the brunch at Coffee Science over the weekend. Now, Coffee Science is the business that is owned by the ex-partner of one of our sponsors, Parish Coffee. Available in town, all over stores. I mean, available in stores all over town in the bright purple bag with the yellow rooster. But there were two guys, Bob and Tom, who owned Orleans Coffee back in the day. And uh, they split up. And one of them bought this old building in, I think, Mid-City, maybe. Very cool building, I'm told. And he is, to quote his ex-partner, a coffee geek, which he's happy to claim. And Coffee Science, which is the perfect name for it, operates in Mid-City. And they have a pop-up brunch. And... Um, Upon closer inspection of the menu, it was decided that we should maybe just go have coffee there sometime. So we're going to do that, Tom. We're going to go to Coffee Science and have a little breakfast coffee because we should go check that out. Anyway, um, we didn't go to brunch there, but we did go to the mill. Has anybody been to the mill? The mill. Where is the mill? I, that's familiar. The mill <clears throat> is the new place in the cotton mill, which was previously Sacolay, which was previously the Sunray Grill, and previous to that was Susan Spicer's, whatever that was that she had. What did Susan Spicer have? Was that a restaurant or a store? Susan Spicer? Uh-huh. Well, Many uh, years ago, like in the 90s, well, I when the kids were little. That the event that they did over the weekend, uh, in a very big warehouse uh, up on pretty close to Clarelle, uh, um, anyway. On Annunciation. Uh, there, uh, he had the, uh, she had the idea of doing something there, so she built a, a 
a big setup. Was it a store or it was, was it a restaurant? It was, no, it was mainly a catering facility for. Uh, that's not true. It's, uh, Susan Spicer wanted to. Uh, to it was a store slash restaurant, wasn't it? Oh well, it, she did several different things. Yeah, and what was it? the one that intrigued me the most was the one uh, that draw in drew in people who wanted to learn how to chef. And was it a cooking school? Because it was a cooking school. What was the name of Susan Spicer's place? Does anybody remember she has a, that? She has a restaurant that she's pretty famous for. Uh, well, she has Bayona. Did that predate Bayona? Because Bayona's been around at least 30 years now. Anyway, uh, for this particular occasion, uh, and that crossed my mind because most of the people there didn't know about the, uh, the courings that uh, she was talking about. But I uh, liked it because it was a brilliant setup for making a, a kitchen and I, at home, at my home. <laughs> at home, I had just... Is that just, how we got the idea for it? Just had become with the idea of, of making my own... Uh, Butler's this, Pantry is what it's called. I, I had no idea. I'd never heard of it before. But we, yes. we built something in our kitchen. It's still there. Uh-huh. And Susan Spicer, every time I walk in front of her, I tell her, you know, this is a great addition to your kitchen and mine, too. Yes. I don't remember where we got it, so I guess that is where we got it. But the well, Butler's Pantry, which is the focus of our kitchen, was, uh, was noticed in, I guess, Susan Spicer's place. But does anyone remember the name of that place? in the cotton mill because mm. I remember talking to her by her olive barrels. That's a good question. Uh, she had question, olive but I don't barrels. This was in the days before they had olives at stores, but there were olive barrels and all kinds of cool stuff in this little emporium that I didn't realize was also a cooking school. I seem to recall that there was a restaurant in the kitchen, which is still a beautiful kitchen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then after that, it became the Sunray Grill for a while, and then it became mm -hmm. Sacolay, which I really didn't understand, and now it's the mill. Did you like the food yesterday, Tom, at the, the mill? Oh, yeah, it was, it was nice, and I made a mistake. What's that? Uh, I got a cocktail. Yes. And when you're about to take uh, a huge Manhattan. Uh, swinging, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what you call this up, but I made the mistake of, uh, let's see, wait a minute, There's, there were two different people. We spent $13 so Tom could sing, I'll take Manhattan. Mm -hmm. That's not why it was at all. Because uh, uh, he took two sips out of the drink. Go ahead, what? That, that's, that's, that didn't come that far. It was anyway. just, I thought it was operating, but it really wasn't. You had a lovely waitress who remembered you from the... Gumbo cook-off. God, I'm still thinking about all that gumbo. The gumbo cook-off at the Royal Sinesta back in March before COVID descended on us. Actually, COVID was here, but before the lockdown. It was like a week before the lockdown. You did the annual um, United Way gumbo cook-off as a judge. And the waitress must have been working there or something, but she remembered you from that, which was extraordinary memory, I thought. Anyway, she was lovely. She couldn't have been lovelier. And uh, that was that was a, a nice brunch. We'll talk more about that and other things when we come back. If you'd like to talk to us, we're here for that. 556-9696. <laughs>
I have loved the Maple Street Cafe from the first time I walked into the place. Jamil Kutob turns out well-executed dishes that hint of the Mediterranean, but with a real New Orleans spirit. The grilled fish here is particularly excellent, but I have never had anything I didn't love. Call 314-9003 for their daily specials, which are exceptionally good and an exceptional value. Maple Street Cafe, 7623 Maple Street, Uptown. The New Orleans Ice Cream Company offers a true taste of New Orleans in every bite. This is ultra-premium ice cream whose flavors are inspired by everything we love to eat in New Orleans. Twelve specialty flavors like Café au lait and beignets, Bananas Foster, Creole Cream Cheese, Ponchatoula Strawberry, Coffee and Chicory, and Chocolate City. Remember that? Don't miss the po'boy ice cream sandwich, New Orleans Ice Cream, at stores all around town. See all our products at NewOrleansIceCream.com. Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's, 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So uh, the kitchen at the mill is, you know, it's funny because I was looking at the tile that was in there and I was talking uh, to Mary Lee about tiling the kitchen because in addition to our other house crises, there is a big renovation coming down the pipe. So, but there's one thing we're not going to get rid of and that's the butler's pantry, that's for sure, but we might tile it. I've been crazy about tiled kitchens ever since I saw the one at Revolution. Anyway, 5569696, the food at the mill was yummy. It was really yummy. It was not a particularly great value, I think. The prices were good, but the portions were small. But it was really, really tasty. You got a Benna cake, right, Tom? Was that like... Was that like something on little pancakes? Was that what, what the Benna cake was? You had something called the Benna cake. B E N E. Cake. Nope. Oh, huh. well, that's a new B-E-N-E one on me. What is it? Hyphen cake. Benna cake. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it was that there were little pancakes with andouille and poached eggs on it, but that's what you got. Oh, oh, and then, oh. Yeah, was that like little pancakes? Was that what that yeah, was? Yeah, little they, blinis maybe. They were they were flat and uh, and they yeah. they looked like donuts and they tasted about like donuts and I don't I never did like them and I never did like very much of what that place. So why was. did you order it? Because I try anything and give it a shot. <laughs> Don, the gourmet neighbor, is here. Hello. Hey. Hello. We have hello. How how are you guys? Hey, oh, how yeah, am I, you guys? No, I don't think that's what you meant to say. <laughs> what uh, we, we have on uh, our 32.17, uh, the report for today from, I think it's... Uh, Don the Gourmet Neighbor. Don the Gourmet, Gourmet 
Raider. Neighbor. Just go ahead, John. He'll get it. <laughs> so I was I was calling about the anchor, and yes. uh, you were right. It was. It was actually very good. Uh, I love, you know, what they've done to the place is amazing. I mean, had you been there amazing. before? Had you been there for I, Friends? Well, I don't know if I had ever told you this, but a hundred years ago when Friends first opened, that was my wife's aunt and, unc- aunt and uncle that owned the place. No the kidding. Friend. You know you yeah. never did tell me that. Yeah, right, that so they're the your... original owners of Friends, we used to call it. Yeah. Correct. The original uh, Carl Shannon. What were the names? Carlos and uh, not not friends. The ancient mariner. The ancient mariner before friends. Carlos oh, I, and Patty. Oh, thank heaven! Because I know because what you're talking friends about. Friends was my original barometer of the worst restaurant ever. No, ancient so, mariner. So the I'm one that, that, one that preceded that friends. one. Yeah. So anyway, okay. so the you know we're familiar with the building. So to see what was done is. Someone had some deep pockets. That's all I'm gonna say. They right? do. I didn't even, I didn't even see upstairs. So and you haven't from seen how you anything it, yet. Well, very impressed. We didn't, we didn't get too, too much because we were going out that evening. So I did the, uh, the, the fried fish menier with the uh, Louisiana with the crab, which was delicious. It was redfish that day, very lightly fried, not a trace of oil anywhere in the fish. Ate half of it because I knew it was going out later. We um, had to try the uh, hush puppies, and again, not a not a lick of grease anywhere near these. It was amazed that they were fried, very very light, almost had the texture of a donut, but savory. Yes, that was exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. I mean, you could not have had a better hush puppy. And uh, yeah, that's the, um, funny because I liked them for the reasons that you just cited. But Mary right. Lee, who is a connoisseur of hush puppies, was annoyed mm-hmm. by them. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that I'm a hush puppy connoisseur, so we'll, we'll, we'll defer to Mary Lee. <laughs> but, um, and the butter, what was the, the maple butter that uh-huh. came with it? Yeah. Uh, you could put that on a twig and it would yeah. probably be very fluffy. Yeah, I would definitely not call those a hush puppy. I would call them more of a donut. And, and yeah. as such, they were really good. But if you were looking They're, for the gritty cornmeal of a hush puppy, you will not find that. And uh, my wife did the uh, fried soft-shell crab sandwich, which the crab was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, she, enjo- she enjoyed hers. And again, the fish of the day was redfish. So my mother-in-law did the... Uh, I guess it was a pan-grilled redfish on top of some uh, what that appeared to be beautiful. lightly some lightly stewed okra, some tomato in there. Yeah. It, 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 everything was delicious, and yeah. I mean the place is packed. The the one thing, the one negative I would give it, and it's it's for them it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. So they put a playground there for the children. Right. Which I think is great because then you know the kids can go play and the adults it's the North Shore, have, a right. co- have a cocktail. That's great, but the bad part of that is when the children continue to play and everybody is finished eating and drinking, they just <laughs> sit and sit and sit and sit. So turning the tables over for them become, becomes ah. I can see where that becomes a problem. Uh-huh. It's sort of a it's sort of a double edged it's sort of a double edged sword because uh-huh. we we waited and waited and there were families that were just sitting sitting uh-huh. and their children because the children were playing and uh-huh. look if I'm there with kids I want them to exhaust themselves so we go home and they go to sleep 
So uh-huh. I get where they're I get where they're coming from, you know. Uh-huh. That's an uh, interesting well, point that I've not noticed because I've never mm-hmm. been there on the weekend. I'm going to mention right. that to them. Maybe they need a separate section for families yeah. and then yeah. people who are not waiting for their kids to tire. I think that's yeah, an interesting that's, point. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. That's yeah. going to go over big. Where else did we go? It was an eating weekend. We went to uh, that evening. We went to Desi's, which I, you know, I could go that's on and your, on. Best, that's best your jam. In my yeah, opinion. absolutely. And then we tried. My daughter wanted to go to Vessel for brunch. You know how I feel about brunch. It's funny that you said that because we almost went to Vessel for brunch. Well, I, I'd rather go nowhere for brunch because <laughs> uh, to me, brunch is a wa- brunch is a wasted meal. Okay, uh-huh. it's it's just. If anybody can cook it, I don't want to eat it. But it was, it was, it was good. It was um, not something that. <laughs> That's I would a be lukewarm endorsement, back. which is exactly what I would have expected of Vessel. Have you been at all? Yes. As a matter of fact, Vessel, um, our our visit to Vessel is um, somewhat of an urban legend because it oh, actually it. made it into some haunted haunted restaurant show because um, (laughs) I'm not kidding about this. This is true. Really? The waiter spilled an entire tray of drinks on Tom and me. (gasps) And it was freezing and I was soaked. Tom did better than me. He didn't. It mostly landed on me. And, um, and in the show, the waiter was blaming a ghost for pushing him into Tom. I'm not kidding about this. But, but you, you weren't there when they were filming. No, 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 we weren't. This was just like, this was just like a regular night. This is what happened. And then it became sort of a lure at the, at the restaurant. And it even made it into that television show. So it was not, it was an interesting experience. It was not bad food. I thought it was fine. No, it's just it so antithetical to everything that Tom and I are that we're, it's not yeah. our place. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife and daughter had some sort of, um, it was, they said it was focaccia. It, I guess it resembled focaccia in, in some ways with um, avocado, you know, and mm-hmm. scrambled eggs. It looked like maybe some bacon in there, a lot of cheese. It was uh-huh. a it was a tartine it was a tartine is what they called it. It was uh-huh. huge. I would not I would not have called it a tartine. It was not a yeah. tartine. But uh-huh. um, and you know my daughter loves it. My daughter's twenty eight. Exactly and right. Exactly. She thinks it's and I just think it's sad because it is such a beautiful building. And to think when you, to go back to the days of Christians, I think that there, his food was equivalent to the atmosphere, where this food does not live right. up to the atmosphere, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I think, I think you're the wrong age. We're definitely the wrong yeah. age. To be honest with you, I'm surprised they're still there. I really am. Um, it's, it's like Jack Rose, only the food at Jack Rose is much better. But mm-hmm. um, it's definitely, you know, got its following. Were they crowded? No. 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 Okay. You know who no. that is? Of course, this, huh? was co- this, this was COVID. No, who is that? I don't. Uh, it's two, it's, several major chefs over the years. Yeah. yeah it's two guys who live in Los Angeles, actually, and they own the Velvet Cactus uh-huh. and the Bulldogs. Oh, okay. 
I didn't know that. So it's the same people that own the Velvet Cactus who own Vessel. I did not know that. And the Bulldog. Wow. And, and you know, and now to speak to both of those, um, I'm going to tell you, the Bulldog has a pretty darn good burger, to Uh be honest with you. It's not bad. And Velvet Cactus is not exactly my type. Oh, Velvet Cactus is. You know what? Velvet Cactus is permanently stained for me. Because it's Which a is, very cool place. I love the is. environment. And when they first mm-hmm. opened, Mary Lee and I, who, you know, we love our Mexican, ran right. over there and we're eating outside and a bird pooped in our chips. <laughs> and I picked it up, didn't notice the bird pooping in the chips, and I picked it up oh, and I no. it in my mouth. So there's it? like this trauma in the back of my mind that will never be bridged at Velvet Cactus. So <laughs> That is, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what we saw on the Gulf Coast last week, Don? Did you know that Lucy's Retired Surfa has, has a place on the Gulf yes. Coast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have several locations. Uh-huh. Have you been There's, to that one? No, I, 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 I'm not a Gulf Coast Gulf person. Gulf Coast kind of person. Yeah. Have you been to Bay St. Louis lately? I'm not a Bay St. Louis kind of person. <laughs> well, well, when was the last time you were in Bay St. Louis? Um, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you the last time I was in Bay St. Louis. Uh, it's worth a trip. It really is. It really, really is worth a trip. It's very, very cool over there now. You know anyway, the city, yeah, right? I'm not a Mississippi Gulf Coast kind of person either, but Bay St. Louis is definitely, definitely coming into its own. Well, maybe one so, weekend we'll take a drive. We'll take a drive. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know. Why not? Anyway, I think we're going to do the right, guys. club at this house, so I hope you're in for that. Yeah, that that does that sounds interesting. That that yeah. sounded very interesting. We're going to so, get yeah, we we're going to get a menu together and start talking about it. All right. All right. Keep it Always good to Thank hear you. from you. Thank you for the Take report care. on Anchor. Wait, let me ask you this before you leave, though. So, how was the restaurant that your uh, Grand, that your wife's grandparents owned, or no, no, my wife's aunt and uncle. To be oh. honest, I I don't think I had ever even been okay. to the Ancient Mariner because okay. I was. We've only been married twenty three years, so twenty four okay. years. So yes, well, t- I right. always said if you liked friends, you had to come up in a party barge or a yacht. Yeah, that yeah. Made friends worth it. All right, no. talk to you later, Don. Take Thank care. You. All right, bye. Five five six nine six nine six is the number, but that building is now in its glory days. These folks who own it now are really doing some great food at Anchor and Chifunta's. Get over there if you haven't yet. We'll be back after the bottom of the hour news time for the Louisiana Radio Network. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. Sally has hit hurricane strength and is expected to grow into a Category 2 storm before making landfall tomorrow, likely along the Mississippi coast. National Weather Service forecaster Christopher Bannon says shear that we've been seeing the past few days went away last night, and as a result... It rapidly strengthened and is expected to continue strengthening, possibly right up to landfall. Bannon says the storm may be trending more to the east, but the recent strengthening means people living in the eastern edges of the state's most southeastern parishes will be impacted. St. Tammany, portions of Orleans, St. Bernard, and uh, Plaquemines Parish. With the storm strengthening, the wind field is actually growing in size. I'm Matt Doyle. In other news headlines, Monroe Bay CenturyLink has changed its name to Lumen. The Fortune 500 company plans to keep its headquarters in Monroe. The State Fair of Louisiana and Shreveport has postponed the start of the upcoming fair from October 29th to April 29th. Louisiana Radio Network. 
This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Have you responded to the 2020 census? Getting counted is more important than ever. The census funds roads. The census funds schools. The census supports your community. It's not too late to get counted. Respond to the census today at my2020census.gov. You can also respond by calling 844-330-2020. Make sure Louisiana counts. Get counted today at 2020census.gov. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? Yes, indeed. Who doesn't love a Gershwin tune? Five five six nine six nine six. If you have something, not let's see, not fascinating, but scintillating to tell us, I would love to give you one of the remaining couple of um, gift certificates for twenty five dollars to Rosie's on the roof. Good until the end of September. Five five six nine six nine six. If you did any good eating over the weekend, let us know about it. That's what we're doing. Just yakking on about our eating over the weekend. Winding that down because we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, at the mill, Tom had a Benna cake, and I had a crab cake. What did I, it was a crab cake benedict? I don't know. It was crab cake over a little salad is what it was. And it had a poached egg, but I asked it for, I asked it to be over easy. And it was a light vinaigrette salad. It was really good. It came with um, a pretty, it came with toast, which I gave to Tom, and a pretty squash blossom flower, just sitting on the plate. It wasn't fried or I don't know if I was supposed to eat it, but it was a squash blossom. And then Mary Lee got griots and grits. And um, it was uh, sort of a tiny portion. I was really kind of surprised at how little of the griots there were. It was a big pile of grits, but it wasn't all that big a pile of grits. And I thought that the portion sizes were too small. That is my only complaint, and only if I had to make one. The food was delicious, and the service fantastic. The place is very cool, as it has been since the days of Susan Spicer. But uh, I would recommend it. Um, but, you know... You have to order a lot of food. You know, but actually Mary Lee said something that was true. She said, you know, it was not a lot of food, but it was just the right amount of food. It's just a psychological thing. You get used to having a lot, a lot of food. And so when you don't get a lot of food, you think, oh, it's kind of chinchy. But in reality, it was an okay price for the proper amount of food. It was a nice experience. That's the mill in the cotton mill building. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. Tom, it is National Shish Kebab Day. Oh boy, <laughs> sounds great. 
you love shish kebab. When's the last time you even had shish kebab? Who would think? I can't even tell you the last time I had it. I like it though. I like shish kebab. Do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you can do it badly and you can do it well. <laughs> Actually, just thinking about that makes me kind of want to do some shish kebab. I might, I might do it. I, I don't have anything to do it with, but I might do it. Anyway, uh, what you have in your almanac is stringing pieces of food on a stick and roasting it over an open fire is such simple but delicious method of cooking that it's been practiced since prehistory. The word has been traced back to the oldest Middle Eastern languages. The method not only has tremendous flavor and aroma appeal, but uses meat very efficiently. A lot of meat comes in pieces, substantially smaller than a roast or a steak. Even when they don't, it's easier and faster to cook small pieces of meat than large ones. But small pieces of meat have a way of falling into the fire. The shish, the skewer, solves that problem elegantly. The skewer holding kebab meat together takes many forms from short wire rods to large vertical spindles that are more like rotisseries. All are considered kebabs. The shish is an option. The, homemade, uh, the homeland of kebabs stretches from India to Morocco, and from there they're spread almost everywhere else in the world. So would a shish be what's happening at Fogo de Champ? Is that, is that what they're doing over there? The churrascaria, is that a shish kebab kind of thing? They just put meat on those long swords, though. I do love that place. Anyway, what kind of shish kebab do you like, Tom? Shrimp? I don't. Uh, Chicken? I don't get that too often. Once in a while. Meat? <clears throat> and it's something I Lamb. like to do when I have a grill going. Yeah. So uh, I, I think if I had to pick out one, it would be lamb. Lamb. Lamb loins. Lamb kebabs. Okay. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes me want to do it. I. Uh, yeah. Nobody will have likely have been with you on that for a long time. So yeah. So you'll be able to have something kind of distinct. Or maybe I'll do like actual kebabs and do like little meatballs for shish mm -hmm. kebab. I did some grilling yesterday, but it wasn't. It, 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 was, it left a bit to be desired. I left it out a long time, and I may have overcooked it. The edible dictionary word today, Tom, is enbrochette. And what? Enbrochette. Enbrochette? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, like oysters on brochette. Oysters on brochette. Oysters on brochette. Yeah, skewered. Yeah, we've been beating that skewered. one for a few weeks. Well... Not that I mind. It's a French word on a skewer, French style. Dishes and brochettes are known as pinchos in Spain, shish kebabs in the Middle East, souvlaki mm -hmm. in Greece. Yeah, in the Middle and East. And satays in the Far have, East. You have a lot of that out there. It's something that they they love for that part of the world. And what can you? What else can you say about it? So well, you could say they can be grilled, fried, or set up on a rotisserie. The advantage of the method is that it employs pieces of fried a food too small to be cooked conveniently if they are loose. The most common brochette in New Orleans involves oysters, which are usually fried and napped with brown butter for an appetizer. They're also fried with bacon on them, wrapped in bacon. Let's go to the phone. Who so do we have, Henry? Yeah, who's here? 
Mike, welcome. Mike. Hello. Hello, Hello Mike. there. Welcome. Susan Spice's place. It was called Spice Inc. Spice Inc. Thank you. Okay. And uh, that, what that I remember, good. I think it closed. It closed in 1999. I'm pretty sure. So long. Yeah, time. I knew it was. I knew it was early 90s that we had gone. The kids were little. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my take on that place is the same thing that um, the commanders people tried out in Metairie with the yeah. gone to go. It was just uh -huh. ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh -huh. yep. Absolutely. Now, what yeah. was it, Mike? Do you remember specifically what it was? Because all I remember is the oyster, the uh, the olive barrels. But was it a grocery? What was it? No, it wasn't a grocery. They did have some prepared foods that you could take home. I remember getting her garlic soup there that she's very famous for. But it was a lot of cookware and books and. Okay. I think yeah, I didn't I didn't get down there too many times, but I, I would guess they probably had cooking lessons and that sort of thing. But it was yeah, that's more, what Tom said. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, it was a very nice shop. I mean, she clearly had done a really well, good job with it. But just I think it was just a little bit ahead of its time. But yeah. The main reason what did I you think of foodies? I thought the foodies, the food at foodies, looked better than it tasted. <laughs> Have you ever been to Eatsy's, which Foodies was copied from? No. Okay. Eatsy's. No, I, used to, I used to love the bread at Foodies. That was. Yeah, Murray was the Baker. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, they had a baker in the house. Murray, yeah. Murray the Baker. I don't know whatever happened to him, but oh my God. Susan made a lot they of her own uh, bakery, too. They had a loaf, of, I think it was blue cheese and walnuts. Oh, it was incredible. And it was just yeah. unbelievable. It was so good. Yeah, but yeah, know, Murray the Baker. Problem. What? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Murray the Baker came from New York and disappeared in a poof as he arrived. And I, whenever if I see T anytime soon, I'm going to ask her whatever happened to Murray the Baker because I miss him. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. Uh, main reason I call is I cooked pork belly at home for the first time yesterday. Did you? Well, I kind of gotten to the point with pork belly and restaurants, same place I got with foie gras a while back where, okay, I've had this enough times, I really don't need to have it anymore. And huh. my major major complaint with pork belly and restaurants is that a lot of times it was mostly fat. Just yeah, what's your problem with that? Well, you know, fats, there's a lot of favor in flat, but it has to be balanced out with, with something other than fat, you know? <laughs> But anyway, this piece of pork belly that I had yesterday came from Costco, and it was actually nine pounds in a cryovac bag. Huge oh piece goodness. of pork. But when I took it out the bag, I cut it in thirds, and I obviously froze two-thirds of it, and I just prepared one-third. Really didn't know what I was going to do with it. When I looked online for recipes, they said you can either slow roast it, you can... Um, braise it, or you can confit it if you had the fat to confit it with. And that really probably would have been my preferred way of doing it, but I didn't. I wasn't prepared to do the braise, and I didn't have the, the fat to do the confit, so I slow roasted it. But what I did was, is that other than kosher salt and black pepper, I had a spice rub that Weber puts out, and it's just a barbecue rub, nothing special, but I knew it had some sugar in it, which I figured would work in my... Yeah. For my benefit, because it would give me some caramelization, you know? Yeah. So ordinarily, you would, you would roast a piece of meat with a fat cap on top.
Right. With the fear, with the theory being that as the piece uh, cooks and the fat melts, that it would baste the, the meat while it was cooking. But I did the exact opposite. I had a cast iron skillet, and it was about a 10-inch skillet. This piece just fit in there perfectly, and I put the fat cap down, and I had it on a really, really high fire on the stove, and I basically got it going on the stove where, you know, the, it started to, to, to melt the fat. Uh-huh. And then I took the whole I took the whole cast iron skillet and I put it in the oven, and I had made up my mind. I cooked it at 300 degrees for three and a half hours, and oh, I guess wow. about two hours by two. Well, you really got to cook this. This is a tough piece of meat, and you don't want to cook it at a high temperature because it'll be like shoe leather when you take it out. Uh-huh. But uh, about two hours into it, I put a loose cover of foil on it because I didn't want it to dry out completely. And it was absolutely delicious. It, I mean, the it the, um, like it. the because it, the, the, it was baked in this cast iron skillet, it actually caramelized the fat on the bottom, uh-huh. and it had it had a nice bark on it around the top and on the sides, and it was absolutely delicious. And the next time I do it, I want to do it with an Asian twist. I'm thinking ginger and lemongrass and maybe Szechuan pepper, something along that line. But uh, it was it was real. I was real, very it. pleased, being that it was the first time I did it, that it came out as 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 well as it did. It really was quite a good a good it meal. Sounds delicious. I've been on the edge of my seat waiting for the punchline, so I'm glad it turned out well. Well, well, well. And let me tell you this: you're gonna really like this. It, I, this might be enough to make you pursue it on your own. My take on it was is the texture and the flavor of the the meat, the way I prepared it, was like eating ribs without the bones. Uh-huh. That's really yeah. that's really what it tasted like. Uh-huh. It tasted like spare ribs without the bones. You know, you had the nice balance of the very well, uh, the very tender meat along with the fat. And I think the key to it is is finding one that has the proper ratio of meat to fat. I found one that was fairly on the lean side. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, if you had one that was fifty fifty fat and meat, you'd have a whole different piece of meat yeah. on your hands to yeah. have to handle it differently. Um, you but know that an- anchor which is, you know, downstairs from Chifuncta. They have heard- pork, they have chicharrones, basically, fried pork belly with their french fries. Have you had those? No, I haven't been to Anchor yet. I've had the, uh, the, the, the pork skins with the, attack, with the attached uh, skin on it. I know what you're referring to, but I haven't had them there. No, I haven't. I haven't yeah. been to Anchor yet. I don't know if they're still doing the, the fried pork belly, but... Um, they do the, the fresh cut fries, which I see are back to looking good. And they had some Parmesan cheese. And then they, if you added pork belly, um, it was, you know, it, it's like if you put all those things together, you have like $11 fries, but they're really good. And, it sounds uh, really good. And the way, the way Don was describing it, I really want to check it out. It sounds like it'd be a nice place to be, you know. No, it's definitely good. It's it's good. And I was I was worried because when they were getting Chifunctas up and running, it seemed like Anchor kind of went, you know, the wind out of the sails. But it, it, he sent me some pictures over the weekend. And they were gorgeous. So they're back for sure. So Sounds good. Anyway, you thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 556-9696 is the number if you want to talk to us. That's what we're here for. We would love to talk to you. So give us a call right after these messages. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine in a casual setting serving only Louisiana oysters 
and always wild-caught Desalman's catfish. And the seafood boat, Carnival Time Lounge, has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch at 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday. Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie, 304-1469. This is Lenny Minutello, chef owner of the Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan, home of the original meat sauce pizza and sesame crusted muffalata calzone. The Happy Italian is serving our new full menu. Dine-in seating is limited. Takeout and curbside is available. Catering is available any day. Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan, open 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Monday for lunch and dinner. Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. for lunch. Find us at happyitalian.com for info and online orders. Like us on Facebook and love us on your taste buds. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils, Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Yes, indeed. Tom, mm-hmm. <laughs> today, uh, in 1849, Ivan Petrovich Pavlov... Pavlov's dog, the Russian scientist he was born, is most famous for his experiments with dogs. He found that any kind of stimulus a dog associated with food would make the dog salivate. I know this from my puppy, who I call Dash Puppy, who's 90 pounds. He's a 90-pound shepherd. Uh, when he is about to get some treats, he is literally drooling on the floor. Anyway, this worked not only for the sight and smell of food, but any activity that routinely preceded the dogs being fed. This became known as conditioned reflex, and it works on people as well as dogs. For example, just the thought of the Supreme Court building in the French Quarter makes you hungry for turtle soup at Brennan's right across the street. That's true of so many things uh, associated with food. Anyway, the old kitchen sage says if you want to grill shrimp on skewers, use two of them per portion. That way, when you turn the shrimp, they can't rotate. So no shrimp wind up getting cooked twice on the same side. That's a great idea, Tom. Which idea? The one of using two skewers for shrimp. That's a really good idea. Yeah, sure. I do it all the time. Yeah, well, I'm going to skewer something because uh, the, the kebabs make me want to skewer something and cook it, although we've stopped cooking. We were doing a lot of cooking for a while, and then we sort of stopped and went back to our old tried-and-true method of eating out all the time. But I would like to do some more, uh, do some more cooking for sure. So your words to eat by today are rather lengthy, Tom. The most unusual, common, and cheap sort of food all China abounds in, and which all is that the empire eat from the emperor to the meanest Chinese, the emperor and great men as a dainty, the common sort as necessary sustenance. Does anybody have any idea what that meant? It is called tofu, that is paste of kidney beans. 
you did not see how they make it. They drew the milk out of the kidney beans and turning it, made great cakes of it like cheeses as big as a large sieve and five or six fingers thick. All the mass is as white as the very snow. To look to nothing can be finer. Alone it is inspired, but very good dressed, as I say, an excellent fried in butter. Huh? That is um, a quote from Friar Domingo Navarrete. Tom, who is that and what is that about? Who is what and what it's about? I don't know. It's, uh, I, guess, I guess the friar was based in China or something, but I have absolutely no idea what in the world that was talking about. Did you say that's a caller, Henry? Okay. Uh, today is the feast day of Saint of yeah Saint Notberga, who lived in the 13th century. So you probably mm, would know. I think we in just Tyrol, found it. Why I didn't know what it was. Now Austria. She is the patron saint of waiters and waitresses. She worked as a maid for a wealthy family that threw its leftovers to the pigs. Notberger would surreptitiously collect the food and give it to poor, hungry people instead. In one of the stories about her, she was caught doing this by her employers, who demanded to know what she had in her apron. When she opened it, the food had turned to wood shavings and vinegar. It sounds like a miracle, doesn't it? Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to us, we are here for just another six or seven minutes, and we would love to talk to you. All right. So W. C. Fields is your words to drink by today, Tom. Quote: We frequently hear of people dying from too much drinking. That this happens is a matter of record, but the blame almost always is placed on whiskey. Why this should be, I never could understand. You can die from drinking too much of anything. Coffee, water, milk, soft drinks, and all such stuff as that. And as long as the presence of death lurks with anyone who goes through the simple act of swallowing, I will make mine whiskey. Was he a big drinker, W.C. Fields? Who? W.C. Fields. I remember seeing oh, him. Uh, I, he was a big cigar guy, wasn't he? Uh, he was. He was yeah, of all kinds. Big of cigar. He was like a big excess of everything, wasn't he? He was a really uh, fat guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And mm -hmm. he was a laugher and a, and a real drinker and uh -huh. and uh, could walk up to anybody and take take them to anybody. Yeah. And uh, and what, catch them off their off their. What What year did he? Uh, 1800. I think it's 1890. I don't think so. I think he's well, I might be wrong. 20th I'm, just, I'm just guessing. Definitely 20th century. I'm going I'm to look right now and see when W.C. Fields lived. But I think he was actually in the movie business in the early or to mid even 20th century. Let's see what years he lived. He died in 1946. So, no, 1880 to 1946. Been yeah. a while, a while. What's that? They have. They've been around for a while. Yeah, he died at sixty-six, so I guess he did a little too much eating, a little too much drinking, and a little too much cigar smoking. I would say. All right, so now I'm going to be motivated to do some shish kebabs, and I'm going to. I'm going to have to think of what kind of shish kebabs I'm going to do. Um, I was thinking about getting some shrimp, 
and uh, and just cooking shrimp over the weekend. But we ate out the whole time, so maybe I'll do some shrimp. But I did some I did some brisket over the weekend, <laughs> and I'm always teased by our daughter for not being adventuresome when I cook on the grill. Now Mike's got me thinking I'm, I'm going to try some pork belly because that sounded really good. I wonder if he cooks with cast iron regularly or did our cast iron um, lady motivate him to start cooking more with cast iron. I think everybody probably has one cast iron pot, but it doesn't get used much. But when he calls the next time, I'm going to have to ask him if he uh, cooks regularly with cast iron. Maybe I'll do that too. Exactly the way he said it. It's good to have sugar on a pork belly because you have to have a little sugar with pork belly. Maybe when I cook it, I'll do um, some of that glaze that you use for your root beer glaze ham. I wonder if root beer would be good on pork belly. I uh, put enough um, actually, sugar in such good. things that I, it, I know it uh, actually makes something nice. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's definitely a good idea to have some sort of caramelized sweetness if you're doing pork belly. And I absolutely love it and get it as often as I can. So I'm going to try that. But I definitely do want to do some kind of, of kebabs. And I probably won't do it at all this week, even though I say I'm going to do it. Although we're going to be we're going to be kind of locked in for the next couple of days. So I might go and get something and and do some cooking. That's something I'm going to do. I say I'm going to do it. Let's see if I really do it. I'm still waiting to do the um, uh, pinto beans, the fresh pinto beans that um, Stan sent me like a month ago, and I told him I was going to cook them, but I, I haven't done it yet. That's it. I'll do that. I'll do pinto beans and pork belly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and also uh, a skewer some shrimp. Where is uh... we used to do? We used to have this uh, griddle. Actually, we we still have that. We have a griddle and a a combination griddle on our cooktop, and also a grill. And I used to do such things using that in the old days when we cooked. But now I'm fired up. The kebabs has made me think that I need to do some more cooking. So let me do it. Five five six nine six nine six. If you have something really quick, we have just another minute or two. Otherwise, I will tell you that we have our um, website, nomenu.com, which is n-o-m-e-n-u.com. If you have missed any of the show or any shows in its entirety, or would like to tell your friends about the show, please do that. Just tell one friend about the show. Because we would love for them to sit with us for two hours every weekday and have some fun. I mean, who needs to think about all of the bad stuff out there all the time? Take two hours off and join us to talk about kebabs and pork belly and all of the wonderful things that you can eat and enjoy and have some pleasure with. That's what we do here every day. Tom's been doing it for 32 years. I've been doing it for 15 months. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a good thing to do, especially in these very troubled times uh, that's all over the news all the time. So tell a friend about it. We would love that. Also, when you visit our website, uh, you can pick up the show or pick up the podcast 
uh, if you go down to the food show, it's right there in the front. Um, if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, we do that twice a week. It's got all the things that are happening around town that you might like to try, like those brunches that we were talking about, things that we did over the weekend. We get that from our own newsletter. It's got Tom's vintage pieces in there, which are really kind of fascinating. Uh, those are uh, really kind of historic, Tra you know, traces the history of modern New Orleans, uh, the culinary scene from as long, 50 years, Tom's been doing this for 50 years. So the newsletter you can sign up for on the website. We have our Instagram, at the New Orleans menu. We'd love for you to follow us there. This is all the stuff that we do all the time. We'd love to share it with you. I have my own kids podcast called Emmy, E-M-M-I-E, -E, The Story Lady. It's on Spotify and Anchor and all those platforms. It's classic kids tales like Brothers Grimm. And Tim McNally is up next for more talk about dine, dining, Wine and Spirits, the Dine, Wine and Spirits show. That's it for us. Good evening. Hey, this is William Wallace with William Wallace for America. You can hear me on Tuesday nights from 5 to 6 here in WGSO 990 AM, New Orleans, Louisiana. Forest management, which I've been talking about for three years with the state, so hopefully they'll start doing that. The president meeting with Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom in the state. President Trump holding one of his rallies in Phoenix, Arizona as well today.